0: A 42-year-old gentleman presents to the A&E department with pain in the leg. He's in the minor's unit where you pick him up to take him to the cubicle. You notice he limps his way into the cubicle. It's an important skill to notice how patients mobilise. Are they holding their abdomen or chest, or limping in this case? You begin by introducing yourself and ask how you can help. He responds to say, I'm really sorry, this might be a complete waste of your time, but something just doesn't feel right. Two days ago, I was at the gym, working out as usual. I worked out my lower legs, my quads and calves, with various different exercises. The following morning, I woke up with pain in the back of the right calf. It's not pain per se, but like a strain. I would have stuck it out at home as I know what DOMS feel like, but I'm really just struggling like never before. You ask more about the pain remembering the Socrates acronym. He further adds that the pain is non-radiating, it's always there, and feels like a niggling 7 to 8 out of 10 when he's not on paracetamol. You ask about his medical history and he replies to say, only rheumatoid arthritis, but well controlled with methotrexate. He takes nothing else otherwise. He does admit to smoking 10 a day, drinks alcohol moderately, and doesn't use any street drugs at all. So you move on to examining him. His gait you've already taken note of, He limps with his right leg. His GCS is 15 with no obvious focal neurology. The chest is clear, no crackles or wheeze. The heart sounds are dual and there are no added sounds. The abdomen is soft, non-tender and the bowel sounds are present. When assessing the lower limbs, the tone and power is normal. The coordination is also normal and there's no obvious neurological deficit. The pulses too are also present and there's no sensory deficit either in any of the dermatomes. On inspection of the calves, there is no obvious swelling, no redness, no particular warmth when feeling for temperature or any skin changes at all. When palpating the calves, however, the right calf was painful when squeezing. You decide to measure the circumference of both calves, and it's equal, there is no particular difference at all. Have a think of your number one differential diagnosis. Are you thinking this is a muscular problem? Are you thinking about a possible skin problem? An infective cause? Have a think about what blood tests you would also order. At this point, the nurse reports that his observations are all unremarkable. You have a think of the bloods that you'd like and you request a full blood count, use an ease and a CRP. At this point, you decide to apply the Wells score for DVT to the patient. It's only been scored as 1, based off the localised tenderness over the right calf. Nonetheless, a score of 1 has a pretest probability of 17% of having a DVT. So we importantly request a D-dimer at this stage. Now, as per the TRUST guidelines, given the delay in the blood results, you decide therapy should be immediately started. You decide to first take a venous blood gas to look at the eusinase and, and the creatinine so you have an idea of the renal function. You then weigh the patient and decide to prescribe the treatment dose of tinzaparin. In an hour or so, the bloods return. The full blood count, eusinase and, and CRP is unremarkable. The D-dimer, however, is raised at 17 The patient at this stage remains well, hemodynamically stable, using zero, and clinically, other than the pain in the right calf, he's well. You decide to discuss this with your overnight registrar who agrees that the patient is stable and given that the treatment has been administered, he can be brought back tomorrow morning in hours to have an ultrasound scan to further investigate. At this point, you decide to discharge the patient after having given the tinzaparin. You importantly safety net the patient. This is very important. You make sure that the patient is aware that should he have any chest pain, should he have any shortness of breath, the pain to get worse in his leg or the swelling to even get worse, that he should immediately return to the A&E department. So, the patient returns to ambulatory care the following morning where an ultrasound scan was arranged and carried out which confirmed a DVT. The patient was started on 10mg Apixaban twice daily for 7 days followed by a maintenance dose of 5mg twice daily. This was continued for 6 months given the unprovoked nature of its presentation. At 6 months, With the support of the haematologist, given the risk-benefit profile for the patient in the context of rheumatoid arthritis, it was decided a lifelong regimen of 2.5mg twice daily of apixaban was to be continued. So what's the main takeaway for you from this case? It's important to be aware of risk-factor profiling patients and to be aware of them, Rheumatoid arthritis is associated with an increase in cardiovascular disease and DVTs amongst other conditions. Missing a DVT is potentially fatal given the complications that can come about. If a patient talks about calf pain, always ask yourself, is this a DVT? Even if the patient has been well, not bedridden, not had any surgery, doesn't have any comorbidities and has been at the gym recently working out that very calf muscle. Now, why is rheumatoid arthritis particularly associated with an increased risk of DVTs? Whilst it is still being researched into, it is suggested that the systemic inflammation and production of pro-inflammatory cytokines potentiate endothelial dysfunction, inhibit fibrinolysis and down-regulate protein C, so the patient is in a more prothrombotic state. Now another point to take away, it's something I introduced in my last case contribution, cognitive bias. The history of a fit man going to a gym and waking up with calf pain makes you think calf muscle strain. It must be muscular. You can easily anchor your diagnosis there and not think about a DVT. Of course, if you were to do a full blood count, use the knees and CRP. It'll come back normal. But being aware of risk factor profiles, as in this case the patient had a background of rheumatoid arthritis, it makes you become more aware of the potential cognitive bias that is within you and it crucially allows you to think more critically and diligently. I guess what I'm trying to say is that we should be aware of our own cognitive biases and most importantly when a patient presents to us their background risk factors are very important for the way we manage them. Thank you for listening to this case.